and welcome into another great edition of Strong Style. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Now, obviously we are much later in the week than we normally do this show. Things happen. You guys know that. I do my best, but I still want to put out a podcast this week so you guys could listen to it. Um, it does not intentionally include anything that happened this week. I say intentionally because I did just watch everything this week. So, um, obviously, we're going to get into everything from uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact Wrestling, AEW, Ring of Honor, all those kinds of things. But, I want to start with MMA. And I want to start with MMA. Because there are some, uh, uh, basically the same way I do a wrestling, where I think this is going. We all know UFC just had, just had the uh, UFC fight night with Holm and Aldana. Um, and before I get to that, uh, here are the, the big ones, the big fights on this card that I think mean the most going forward. I think the fact that Luigi Regimini was able to uh, able to basically knock out uh, Jessen Ayari for the light in the lightweight division keeps his record at nine one and zero. Luigi is is jumping up the ranks. Luigi is a guy you're gonna have to contend with. This was a minute and twelve seconds into the first round. This wasn't all oh, he tired him out. And then he caught him. No. He, for lack of a better way to say it, he put the whooping on him early. So, if you're in the lightweight division, Luigi is on his way up. And last time I checked, there's not a Mario, so this Luigi may go all the way to the top. How about the ageless wonder, Carlos Condit? He gets the unanimous decision over Corp McGee, who has also been in it a long time. Let's see, we got 44 total professional fights for Carlos. Court has 30 now. So we're talking 74 professional fights between these two gentlemen in the welterweight division. But Carlos Condit gets the unanimous decision. And he's another guy that... See, in the UFC, Bellator does this a little bit, but in the UFC right now, there is a line, kind of. There is like the six, seven, eight-ish people who are contenders. There are the champions. Or here we go. The champions, the six to eight next contenders, and then there's the other people just looking for good fights. Carlos Condon is one of those guys looking for good fights. If you want to bump him up into one of those number fights, ranking fights, then fine. I'm sure Carlos is down for it. <clears throat> but as far as he's concerned, it seems like to me he just wants good fights. So if somebody just wants a good fight, call up Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit, man. Carlos Condit. 
Now, I'm going to go ahead and say congratulations, Carlos uh, Felipe, on his unanimous decision over Jorgen DeCastro. He stays at 9-1-0. Jorgen goes to 6-2-0 in the heavyweight division. Both of these guys are guys to look out for down the road. And uh, it, it was a pretty good fight. I, I saw it. I, I, I see as many of these as I can. Go back and watch some of them, too. Just make sure you don't miss something. Um, it seemed like to me, though, that uh, towards the end of the fight, all DeCastro wanted to do was force Felipe into the fence and just kind of hang out. Felipe wasn't having any of that. So once he was able to break free from that, he ends up getting the decision and you know, ultimately the uh, moving forward there that you, you just got to watch out for Felipe at this point. <clears throat> now, there were two fights on this card, obviously the main, but there was a, a uh, another fight that was, might as well be the sub-main, the co-main, if you want to call it that. Even though it was only three rounds. And uh, I, I got to say, in the women's bantamweight division, you have Juliana Pena versus Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, Randamy gets the sub submission victory three and a half minutes into round number three. She is ranked number one in the bantamweight. Obviously, Amanda Nunez is the champion. So you would think, okay, well, Randamy should be one of the next ones up, right? Not necessarily how the UFC works. Pretty much, if you're in the top seven or eight, there's a there's a potential. If the fight is more interesting than another fight, you will get that main event fight. Because Dana White realizes the rankings are the rankings. There has to be a way to keep everybody in order. But the most interesting, entertaining fight is what the people want to see. I'm not saying Jermaine doesn't need a, a win here, but I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. Because Jermaine wins, and then Holly Holm just dominates Irene Aldana. In this fight, I, I agree with, um, I think Chael Sonnen said this. If it wasn't Chael, then it was um, it was it had to be Ariel Hirwani. It was one of the two, maybe both. Um, this fight was put together. Um, so that they could showcase Aldana to potentially push her up into a bout with Amanda. Well, the fallback, I'll call it that, the fallback decision happened in that Holly Holm absolutely dominated for five rounds. The last time, I mean, I'll easily say it, and she agreed to it. The last time she was this focused and this on top of it, she beat Ronda Rousey back in uh, 2017, 18. They set up this so that Aldana could be the next one to go take on Amanda. Well, maybe not yet. Since Holly won, and Holly Holm is number two in the bantamweight division for the women, to me, because we know Amanda has her fight coming up in December. It's her next fight or whatever. Uh, can't remember who she took on, which I apologize for. But here is what 
I think will happen. Amanda will have that fight. If and when she moves on and wins, which she's more than likely favored to. You never know. But if she wins, then I think either December or January, we should see Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy, number one versus number two. The winner gets Amanda in March, April, you know, somewhere in there. I mean, do you guys have a better theory? Because the way I see it, that's the way it's it's probably going to go. And let's go ahead and throw this out there. Let's say Amanda doesn't win in December. Now, it's, it's you know, probably 75, 80% that she will, maybe more, because she's that good. But she did take a lot of time off. Congratulations to her. And uh, and and uh, her partner there with the uh, birth of their of their kid. Congratulations! But she has been taking some time off. If she doesn't win, then home versus randomly becomes an even bigger fight. Because I still say, at that point, the winner of Holly versus Jermaine should be should take on Amanda. In March or April, and the winner of that take on Amanda's opponent if they beat him. If they beat him, more than likely, like I said, I still say home versus Randomy takes on Nunez April of next year. I think that would be a uh, that would be something look, to look forward to. And honestly, the way they match up, um, if Holly can stay kind of low. And and uh, precise with the way she she throws her strikes and everything, uh, she would she would have a real good chance against Jermaine. But Jermaine is so like tall and long that if she can use those powerful legs, then Ollie may be in for it. But that's just the way I see that particular one shaping out. Of course, uh, later on today, later on tonight, I guess you got Marlon Moraes versus. Corey Sanhagen in the bantamweight. That's the main event. Uh, it's UFC Fight Night. Uh, Edson Barboza is going to take on Marquan Amirkani. Uh, let's see some of the other big fights here. Going to get Tom Breeze and KB Bular. Going to get Chris Dawkins, Rodrigo Nismito. Uh, let's see. There was another one I wanted to call out. What was it? Um, oh, possibly the first one. You get Bruno Silver versus Tagir Obenekov. These are some these are some good fights. You may not know who these people are. Uh, Stephanie Egger is going to take on Tracy Cortez, seven to one versus five and one. That's going to be a good fight. And once again, the bantamweight division, the women's bantamweight, is on fire right now. Absolutely on fire. But uh, I'd be willing to bet. Be willing to bet that is. Uh, looks like it is not on ESPN. It must be ESPN Plus. 
Yeah, not looking like okay. All right, must be ESPN Plus. But either way, it's gonna be a good card. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you check that out. Uh, Bellator has had many events in uh, the last couple weeks. I will have a full review of uh, the big things that have happened there uh, next week. We'll go next week on that. Now let's jump into pro wrestling. Pro wrestling, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right into Monday Night Raw. This, of course, is from last week, not this week, as I said. Bellator is going to be in Paris tonight. Um, it's going to be some big fights. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about that real quick. Um, the big fights. Okay, so the bigger fights from uh, from the last couple weeks. You had You had uh, Denise Kierholtz able to get the victory over Kate Jackson. Of course, that was uh, Bellator 247. That became the main event because the other one uh, got canceled. But uh, you had James Gallagher defeating Cal Eleanor. And uh, uh, that was on Saturday. And then tonight, I'll preview the whole, well, let's see, one of the big fights. Uh, the big fights I'm looking at here, you got Ryan Scope and Alan Omer. Uh, you got Michael Page versus Ross Houston. And then you got Timothy Johnson taking on Czech Congo. A lot of you guys remember Chuck Congo from the UFC. That fight right there should, I mean, there's a reason why it's the main, but it should be just fantastic. Um, and I'll, honestly, I don't know if that is on television as well. Can we, can we find out if that is... Uh, It may actually be on right now as we speak. And uh, because it is in Paris, so by the time you do the time backwards, uh, there's a good chance that's, that's what it is. But um, check that one out. It's on the CBS Sports Network. It's the new home of Bellator. It's not that Paramount didn't do great things with Bellator because it did. It gave it a home. It was a great home. But they are now on the CBS Sports Network, so a little bit easier to find sometimes. But definitely go check that out. I said it's a, I think it's on right now. It just started. So if you wanted to uh, catch the replay, I'm sure it'll be on uh, probably the rest of the night as well. But uh, go check that out. Now, let's start. With Raw. I said I said gonna start with Raw, let's start with Raw. And then starting with Raw, 
Uh, you know, Drew McIntyre came out, and uh, this whole big thing it had to do with uh, HBK. Shawn Michaels was out there. Ric Flair, Big Show, Christian. Um, I don't know. I guess they just wanted to show those guys or something. I, I'm, I don't know. But this Drew versus Randy Orton thing, okay. I like it. And and I will go with this argument. It is time to move the belt off of Drew McIntyre. If we had the crowd, if we had a live crowd, then maybe maybe you could stick with it a little longer. But I just don't I think Drew did some good things as the champ. But I think it's time to move off of him. I think it's starting to become a little stale. And I'll say it. It's becoming a little stale. Now, here's the thing. You can... Your your options are kind of limited. That's why they did... They're starting to do the draft that started this Friday. Where they're going to shuffle some people around. I will talk next week about that. Because I want to see the whole draft. But it's it's time to you could you could move the belt to Randy Orton, who is a solid power heel. Probably not a guy that'll have the belt a lot going forward, but you can move it off of Drew right now to Randy Orton. Which okay. I, I would be okay with that. Have another age of Orton. But Then, then you get left with, well, obviously, then he would either beat Drew in the rematch or what babyface, what good guy, would you run against Randy Orton to potentially take the title off of him? You know, one of those, I'll hang up and listen. Nobody really comes to mind right now because everybody has been in these mid-card, this or that, this or that. Everybody's kind of been in their own little worlds to where it's been the world heavyweight title picture between champion and contender, and then everything else. There's nobody else right now that has the momentum, that has the rocket to the top, that could potentially take over that role. Whether it's heel, whether it's face, there's, they haven't really pushed anybody else up there. I mean, they had Drew take on Robert Roode, who re- who returned for the championship. Robert Roode's good, and could he be a champion one day? Sure. He was a champion in other places he's been. He's a great guy. Great talent. But for one, he just returned. Two, we knew he wasn't going to beat Drew. They kind of left themselves out of nowhere land. No man land. I'm trying my best not to spoil it because seeing SmackDown last night, I I know some of the people that have been shuffled around, and it it would just help our argument that they kind of cleared the deck for Drew, a contender that he's had before that I think could be another guy to come up and take it from him. Got moved to the other show. I just don't know what Raw is going to do 
I mean, you got the retribution stuff. I mean, I guess the next best contender, if it wasn't Randy Orton, the next best heel they have is Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley versus Drew, I think, would be really good, be really brutal, really physical. You know, he's got the Hurt Business behind him. I'm okay with the Hurt Business. They, they've got to do some other things. But right now, the Hurt Business and Retribution have been kind of going at each other. So that kind of moves them off the picture. They basically cleared the deck so that Drew McIntyre can pretty much be in charge, I don't know, maybe through the end of the year. But to me, that's got to change. They've got to shake it up. Somebody new needs to take over there. We'll get to SmackDown in a minute, what I think about that. Um, as far as some of the other stuff that was going on, uh, Oscar continu continues to dominate. She should. Um, the, the Mysterio family and, and Seth Rollins stuff and, and Murphy and all, just it's, can it be over? It's, it's getting really, really ridiculous now. And somewhat spoiler alert, the draft doesn't help. This, the draft on SmackDown does not help the situation. Um, they're kind of pushing tag team, women's tag team divisions and things like that, which is fine. Um, I'm not sure how Natalia and Lana kind of got linked together, but they're they're a pretty decent team. Seems like Lana's learning a lot. She's getting better. Uh, you had Dana Brooke and Mandy that have kind of teamed up a little bit. and I don't know, just, eh. The feud between Aleister Black and, and Kevin Owens, I don't get. Kevin Owens is, is uh, at least a level above Aleister, in my opinion. And uh, I, I don't... I just I just don't get a lot of the stuff they're doing right now. Maybe this draft is gonna shake it up where they can do different things. But honestly, maybe the draft will will keep these two apart because it's just it gets old. It just gets old. Because KO out wrestles out wrestles Alistair. And Alistair just randomly attacks KO. So Yeah, it makes no sense. They're not. It's like it's not going anywhere. In fact, the storyline that makes the most sense on Raw each week is the twenty-four champion, the twenty-four-seven championship. Our truth has it at the moment. Uh, he took on Drew Gulak and uh, Tazawa. Of course, he beat them. Um, they've done a bunch of stuff in between there. It's kind of comic relief, but at the same time, it's a credible championship. In fact, that our truth is the one who keeps. Uh, being in charge of it is, or being the the holder of it, just tells you how they feel about him. He's he's widely respected. Everybody loves the guy. Uh, once again, Murphy and Dominic, whatever. Yeah, Dominic has come along well. Facing people like Seth Rollins and and Murphy will make him better. But it, I mean, why are you? Murphy could be so much better than he is, but he he is always the underling. He uh, maybe once again a shakeup could help him out. Uh, and you did have Retribution versus uh, Lashley, Shelton, and MVP. Well, it wasn't Retribution. It was uh, 
Lashley Shelton, an MVP from the Hurt Business versus Ricochet, Ali, and um, Apollo. And by the end of it, we realized when Retribution come out that Ali is actually the one in charge, which uh, completely out of left field. The guy has not wrestled in like a couple weeks, and he comes back and he's in charge of that. But, hey, it works. I'd rather be that than, than Randy Orton or some other person they just stick in front of them because those people don't need groups. Ali could use this to propel himself up to a different level. I think that could, uh, I think that could definitely be a, a good thing, and it's different. You know, we get a rebel group, and they don't just come out and attack all the time, which they kind of do. But they're being led by um, barely a mid-card guy, so, and which they've kind of been in the mid-card. I would like to see where they go from there. There's a lot of options. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's go to, let's go to Impact Wrestling. Um, the fact that they are taking forever to put the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Good Brothers tells you that not only do they know the big payoff that could happen with this, but they are by far the two best teams they have. Even though the North, I will give the North credit, they have really, really put themselves on the map as a, a great tag team. I, I they grew I grew to like them because start with that like either one of them, but uh, Ethan and Josh, they they really took advantage of being one of the few established tactics, and uh, had a good run and everything like that. They're still in the mix. I'll give them that. Um, Ace and Fulton is a throwaway team. I don't think they'll amount to much. They they're better off being Ace with Fulton as the enforcer. But the Machine Guns and the Good Brothers, Anderson and Gallows, basically, they're working up towards they're, they're going to eventually face each other. The Good Brothers should win that, even though the Machine Guns have been together long enough, maybe they can figure out a way to do that. But that could be the main event, in my opinion. Because a lot of the rest of the stuff going on in Impact Wrestling right now can kind of go either direction. The tag division, or at least the Machine Guns and the Good Brothers, I think is one of the good, great, just not good, great things going on. And you should continue to uh, to really push that. Um, their women's division, too, is pretty stacked. I, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, of their women's division. Uh, when you have Jordan Grace and Tennille Dashwood, uh, you have just people from all over that are credible. You know, Taya. You have Rosemary, you have Havoc and Nevaeh, you have people from all over that could just go. So, um, I, I, I still don't understand the uh, the reason why Diana Perrazzo immediately came into the company and immediately become champion. I've never been that impressed. She's okay. But just because she was a highly touted prospect out of WWE doesn't necessarily mean that she should automatically be pushed up there. Didn't really like that. 
Um, seems like Eddie Edwards and, and uh, Sammy Callahan are going to be in a war again. Kid Shamrock is involved. Okay. Thought we saw this six, eight months ago. Um, this, these are three talents that kind of wasting their time if they're all facing each other. But, I mean, at least we should get some decent matches out of it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much Impact Wrestling from last week. Not much. Not much going on there. NXT, a.k.a. I would say probably probably second best wrestling show you'll see all week. I think AEW still top in my opinion at the moment. Their women's division is, is off the charts. When you can open up your show with Shotzi Blackheart versus Dakota Kai, and it'd be really good. It just tells you the level of talent that you have down there. Dakota Kai, I think, is either on her way to being a women's champion down there or getting the bump up and um, potentially being a women's champion on the on SmackDown or Raw. They did the big Kyle O'Reilly profile because uh, he was going to take on Finn Balor uh, over this past weekend. And um, well, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, he came up a little short, but the fact that Kyle O'Reilly got the nod to take on Finn Balor, this was an incredible match. The two of them destroyed each other, destroyed each other so much that Kyle was not on live TV this week. He was in a backstage setup segment and Finn Balor let's see Kyle I think has busted ribs Finn Balor has a broken or a shat, uh what was it a a couple slight fractures in his jaw so that's how brutal they were to each other yeah Kyle O'Reilly is one of those guys that his strikes and his wrestling and his intensity is is known worldwide He's been to Japan. He's been to Ring of Honor. He's been uh, just all over the place, and everybody knows it. And the fact that they gave him this opportunity, uh, once again, is a nod to to what they think of him, but also he earned it. He earned it. And if he, if he would have beaten Ben Balor, I think most people would accept it. And, and, you know, and if you don't, maybe you're not paying attention. Let's see. I would talk about Ridge Holland, but if you listen to next week's episode, you will uh, understand why I don't build him up. That's a good foreshadowing there. Ridge Holland, I'm a big fan of what they're doing with this kid. But if you didn't see Smack, I mean, if you didn't see NXT this week, yikes, yikes. That's what I'll say. Uh, they're pushing Kushida. Even though they're putting him against heels, he's he's kind of doing this evil Kushida thing. I like it. But it's... Okay, what are you going to do with it? Seems like the Velveteen Dream has a problem with him, so we'll we'll see how that goes, because Kushida should end that in about 30 seconds. And then... I like that they're able to put 
uh, Gargano and Candice LeRae together. We all know they're a married couple. They even tell everybody they're a married couple. But when they're together, they have this chemistry on screen that just makes things more interesting, more entertaining. Uh, let's see. Now, let's go to AEW. AEW from last week. Started off with Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks. If you don't know who Ricky Starks is, it's understandable. But he has Taz behind him. And Ricky Starks is one of those guys who has been all around all kinds of associations, independents. Uh, he just goes till he hits the to the glass ceiling. And when he's not allowed to crash through it, he goes somewhere else. So now he's here. And he he's a good, solid wrestler. He's a good talent. You know, we've seen the way he's dressed up like Darby Allen to make fun of him. And, and this war is, is going to eventually come down to some kind of crazy stipulation match, a coffin match, a, um, you know, a backstage brawl. I don't know. But as good as Darby Allen is, Ricky Starks can stay with him. And he may not have all the flashy moves that Darby does, but Starks is good. Um, they previewed the Cody versus Brody Lee dog collar match that happened this week. Once again, if you did not see the dog collar match, go back and watch it, and I will talk about it next week. Uh, it was definitely a throwback. They had uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine there, who is... I think him and Roddy Piper had one of the most brutal ones there ever was, like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, the problem I see with AEW is they have a pretty good tag division. But your champions are FTR. I don't have a problem with FTR being the champions. I have a problem with that. They are on such a high level that you cannot, there's not many teams that can rival them. Like, who's going to beat FTR? It's not going to be Jericho and Hager. It's, uh, I mean, the Young Bucks, maybe? Because... Omega and Page are, are going to start feuding before they they ever team up again. It's just, they're so good that it's hard to put a quality team against them. They could be a lot of jobber teams, which is what they've kind of been doing. But, um, you know, maybe SCU could challenge them, but I, I think they already have. And they did a couple weeks ago. And FTR wins. Um, I guess Private Party maybe, but I, I like Private Party. I, I like them a lot, but they're they're not on a level to beat FTR. You're gonna have to almost bring in another team because even the Dark Order doesn't have a team good enough to do that. But here's the other thing. With AEW, and this is as of last week, well, I don't want really to get anything and I'm not foreshadowing anything, or maybe I am. 
at this point, you've had John Moxley as the champion for six, eight months. I would typically say it's time to move it to somebody else. But who is better to be to shoulder this company and to be the leader moving forward than John Moxley? Who could they? I mean, who could they give it to? Brody Lee. He just lost the TNT championship, or no, he's the TNT champion. Yeah. So you you don't want to move him up, um, or better yet, spoiler alert, dog collar match. He loses the TNT championship. So uh, he would have to build back up. Um, Cody is the TNT champion. So there's that. Jericho is is doing this team thing with Jake Hager. I think because Jericho realizes he is on the backside of his career and that he doesn't need to be in the main event and he's trying to help other people get there. So I think that's what he's doing with that. But this is, it, it's almost, like I said, Moxley is the guy. You can bring in other contenders here and there. You're going to have to build up some people. I think the person that could and should take the belt off Moxley, and he's not ready yet because I like his interactions with Jericho. You can see a young Jericho in this guy. MJF. MJF, I think, is going to be the guy maybe early next year to take on Moxley and potentially beat him. Maybe he uses Warlow with it. But I very much think that is the person that should do it. Now let's go into SmackDown from last week. Uh, the Roman J. Uso stuff. Okay. They're eventually going to be in Hell in a Cell. Uh, they announced this week what the stipulation in that particular thing is going to be. I'll talk about that next week. It's uh, it's okay. It, make, it, it makes no sense. I like that J. Uso is, is being able to be featured like this. But, I mean, to, to, to what good is it? It's uh, it's it's just a filler at this point. We all know he's not going to win. Um, Sami Zayn being the Intercontinental Champion, I have no problem with whatsoever because didn't think Jeff Hardy needed to be it, and AJ Styles doesn't need it. Hmm, you know, maybe AJ could be a guy. In my notes from this week, even. Maybe AJ Styles could be a guy to take it off of Drew McIntyre. Huh. Just thought of that. Maybe I'll talk about that more next week. 
Uh, you had Sheamus versus Shorty G, whatever. Uh, but the Sheamus Big E feud, I think it's a great one. I, there needs to be a blow-off match between the two. I don't know what kind of stipulation, but I feel like... I was going to say this before some things happen this week that could be contrary or could be complimentary to what I'm saying. But I feel like it was it's time to split up the New Day. Now, there's a lot of ways you could do this. You could have Xavier split off on his own, which is fine. You could have Kofi split off on his own. He's been world champion before. You could have Big E. The one that makes the most sense to me is Big E because he's a potential world champion down the road. I think you need to build him up to do that. A win over Sheamus could do that. You could eventually have Big E and Roman. I think that would be really good. And at some point, I believe he could be he could be the world champion. That if if it were up to me. I would do that. You can leave Xavier and Kofi together. They're a good team. You can also do some solo things with them. You know, you can keep some of them intact, but I think Big E has outgrown the New Day. And it's not, you know, oh, they're not in his league. No, no, no. They're all world class. They're all top level. But I think we've always wanted to see Big E with a solo singles run all the way up to the top, whether he wins or not, up into the heavyweight title division. And I maybe it's that time. Maybe it's just that time. But uh, that's... I, I really kind of wish they'd do a little more with King Corbin. He grew on me a lot. Because to start with, I thought it was dumb. Didn't think there was any reason why they should do some of the things they do. But King Corbin has been a fantastic talent. The King gimmick is, is still doing well. If they want to keep pushing that. I just I want to see him do more than lose to Matt Riddle. Because I, I still don't see the point of Matt Riddle. He's just plain. No real personality. How are you going to push that? I, I, I don't. I mean, it's the Jeff Hardy factor. I don't get it. At least with Jeff Hardy, I kind of get some of it. Because, oh, he jumps off of random things and he dresses up like a clown all the time. Okay, that's kind of appealing. But, yeah, I just, uh, I don't get it. And then this week on Ring of Honor, we had uh, the last two matchups from the Pure Championship Tournament where Rust Taylor took on Tracy Williams. Tracy Williams ended up winning that, but Russ Taylor, man, dude went out there and and uh, he, he took it to Tracy Williams, and he there was a lot of chances he could have won. And he also proved that whether Ring of Honor signed him, which I'm pretty sure they did, or somebody else, he he has a he has a place in the wrestling industry. And then you had Tony Deppen versus PJ Black. Tony Deppen was good. Kind of reminds me of a young Nunzio, the way he looks, acts, everything. Kind of punk rock, New Jersey kind of style. But uh, PJ Black pulls off the victory in that one. The Darewolf, man, 
he is one of the the uncut gems of wrestling. A lot of you guys might remember is Justin Gabriel. He is way more evolved, way better. He's been wrestling his whole life. Um, any PJ Black match is one you definitely need to see. Now they're going to start the second round of the tournament next week. We will see. Uh, let's see, Jay Lethal and can't remember, but they're going to have the second round next week, and I think we're going to see a shakeup here or there. I don't know. It's one of those like Lethal or um, Jonathan Gresham or one of those guys are going to get upset in this. And it's going to be interesting. We're going to see, you know, we had Silas Young get upset last week. We'll see what they do with it. I have enjoyed the Pure Tournament. I hope you guys enjoy the Pure Tournament. And also, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Saturday. We're going to be doing our all-sports show, the sports show, here in a few minutes to get that posted up as well. But for now, I am Jeremy the Impact Door. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Strong Style. All mixed up. We will see you guys next week. I promise early next week. Deuces, deuces.